Hey everybody, this is David Chuddy here, and make sure to check out our new updated website, www.weeklywealthpodcast.com, and also email me, david at parallelfinancial.com, with your investment and with any questions that are money-related. We hope that you enjoy this episode. This is the Weekly Wealth Podcast with certified financial planner, David Chuddick where we discuss the wealth building mindsets and tactics that can help you to build and maintain wealth for you, your family, and your business. Why, hello, everybody. This is David Chuddick, and welcome to this week's episode of the Weekly Wealth Podcast, where we talk about the mindsets, the tactics, and the strategies that can help you to build and maintain wealth. I've been getting a couple of questions from my clients. Number one, the stock markets are at all-time highs or almost all-time highs every day. Should I have my money in the stock markets? I've been getting another question from my clients about inflation. What should I be doing about inflation in my own personal financial plan? And the other question I've been getting is about taxes. Aren't tax rates going to have to skyrocket? And what should I do about that? So if those issues or any other issues are keeping you up at night, email me. David at parallelfinancial.com. We can set a 30 minute talk, whether by Zoom or in person if you're local. And let's just see if you have any next steps. But today we are talking about our relationship with money with Sarah Walton. Uh, Sarah Walton uh, has been a business mentor who's been featured on the Today Show. She speaks at women's conferences all over the world and has helped hundreds of women to start and grow businesses that they loved. She's honed her business building skills, working with startups and large corporations where she managed a P&L worth hundreds of millions of dollars. And she's a fellow podcaster. She's the host of the Game On Girlfriend podcast, and she's known for her weekly Coffee with the Coach streaming video conversations on Monday mornings. So, hey, Sarah, how are you? Hi, I'm awesome, David. I'm so excited to be here with you today. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited. You, um, so you're up up north. You're up in New Jersey, and I, uh, a lot of our listeners, I, I, I lost my accent, but I grew up in Queens, so I did. Um, I have a little bit of Yankee in me, so I love it. I love it. Well, we miss you, and now I can hear a little bit of the Southern in you too. It's kind of fun. I've tried very hard just to have a, a neutral, neutral accent. <laughs> so, well, cool. Well, tell me about what you do and how you get started. Like, how does somebody get started? I don't think you were five years old saying, Hey, I'd like to be a business mentor when I grow up. Yeah. I don't even think this industry existed when I was growing up, but, um, I would always line up my stuffed animals and teach them things. So there was something in there about That's that, interesting. But yeah, it was always there somehow, but yeah, for me, what happened was I was actually raised in Sandy, Utah. Um, I was raised incredibly poor. We had very little money and, um, Throughout my life, what I started to understand as a woman, especially, which is why so much of my stuff is female centric, is this seemed to be a theme I saw among a lot of the women when I was growing up. And that is this idea that we couldn't take care of ourselves and our families, right? Especially when it came to money, we would always have to choose. Well, I want this, but my kids need that. And that's mm-hmm. sort of weird, like push pull thing that happens a lot. Um, And so after I graduated from UCLA, I moved to New York City because I decided if I could make it there, I'll make it anywhere. And I wasn't kidding. So I really went for it. And um, I made my way through the tech industry. It was really exciting. A lot of those startups, a lot of those tech boom times, it was a really great time to be in business and understand. And I sort of got my street cred business school. You know, it was like, Uh let me figure this out by getting my rear end kicked a lot. Um, But I loved creating the company culture, understanding financial projections 
transactions, understanding what it would take to hire someone, fire someone, and and why that was so important to business. And I realized the higher up I got in my career, the fewer women were in the room with me. And so what I decided to do was really start teaching women about how to run these things. It's not like it's proprietary knowledge. It's just conversations that women tend to have a lot less than men do. And I really was out to, to change that. And so that's really how I started this. Well, that is, that's interesting. And, you know, I, um, what's always, I have 15 year olds and an 18 year old, and it always, it's always interesting when, when there's a, a mother and someone asks the mother of a young child, do you work? Like, really? I mean, do you mm-hmm. think that, you know, and in our case, we had twins. So my wife nursed two babies at a time. You think yeah. that's not work, you know? So mm-hmm. It, mm-hmm. it just, I think societal, uh, just perceptions of what work is. And and I think probably even in, in previous generations, you know, the men handle the money, the women handle the cooking, and that's probably a little bit more blurred lines now, but, but certainly I think um, in previous generations, that was, that was pretty strong. So you, you work a lot with women and is it fair to say that a lot of what we're going to talk about though, kind of is just human nature in general about money relationships and Absolutely. You know, and what you just said about gender roles when it comes to money was so was spot on. But what we have to understand as human beings growing up in a society, right, is those kind of foundational layers, they stay with us. Mm-hmm. Right. And what what a lot of what we're going to talk about are the things we learned as children that nobody yep. specifically sat you down and said, by the way, this is the truth. Right. It just sort of happens as you go through life, you start to experience, oh, as a woman, I'm not supposed to handle money. Right. Oh, as the boy, I'm responsible for the money. Right. And those sort of things just get passed on genera- genera- generationally. That's cool. I only speak for a living. That's Don't right. be alarmed. <laughs> but um, so as they just sort of get passed on to us, it doesn't matter if you were raised a boy or a girl. Yes, these things are absolutely going to apply. There's no okay. question. No question there. So like most of us, why don't we get what we want, whether we're thinking about financially or relationally or even health wise, like a lot of us, when you get in your thirties and forties and fifties, you think back, you know what? I thought I'd be in a different spot that I am now. Like, why is that? (laughs) It's because you didn't choose it. That sounds really basic and simple, but so often you were told what you were supposed to want. You were told what you were supposed to want through marketing. You were told what you were supposed to want based on what your parents had. You were told what you were supposed to want based on what society said, but you didn't really care. And, or you didn't actually check in with yourself and say, what do I want? And so instead we take on all these ideas and generalizations. And like I said, marketing tactics, right. That are put on us. And we go, oh, I guess that's what I'm supposed to want. And then when it comes time to actually take action towards those things, you don't care. (laughs) So you don't do them because it's not actually aligned with who you are and what you actually want to do with this one life that you've been given. So let's take the health thing, for example, right? I love, I always love this. People always talk about, oh, I want six pack abs, or I just want to be healthy, whatever that is but they'll push it off till next Monday. And then they'll push it off until next Monday. It's because there isn't actually anything they truly care about attached to that. Like I want to be around for my kids, or I want to be able to run up and down the stairs without getting winded, Mm -hmm. or I don't want to be on 15 medications by the time I'm in my fifties. That can change the way you behave around health. Cause like the number on the scale it doesn't really matter. Right. I mean, it's just, it's an arbitrary number, but the fact that people might respect you if you look differently, or you could 
play with your grandkids without getting tired? Aren't those kind of the reasons why the number kind of matters and, and why we should take those, those steps to have the proper number? Yes, except for the first one, which I would put a little warning on, which is if someone's not going to respect you based on the way you look, might yep. not be a goal you care about, right? That's Once true. again, mm -hmm. it goes back to what do we think other people want us to be doing versus what do you actually want? Right. And I don't think, I mean, I don't know, not many people asked me that growing up. <laughs> mm -hmm. It was like, what do you actually want? And what are your values? Like what values really matter to you? Is it freedom? Is it um, love? Is it adventure? If you don't know what those are and you're arbitrarily picking where you're quote unquote supposed to be by your thirties, forties, and fifties, it's not going to line up. Yeah. 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 Okay. So is influence, is it a value? Is it a, is it a, is it a skill? Like is, and is influence a bad thing? Cause you kind of think of, you know, if I'm influential, I can make you do things that you don't want to do. And I, I could, kind of change your mind. I mean, talk to me a little bit about influence. Yeah, I love this question, David. You're hitting a good one here. And it is, there's a big difference between being influential and being manipulative. <laughs> Those are not the same things. So if we're all going to be super honest about influence, um, we all want to be more influential, whether it's getting your kids to do their homework when they know they should be. Mm -hmm. You want to have that influence over them so that when you come in and say, listen, this is important for you, they believe you that is influence, right? And you can hear even in that one example, true influence is based on trust and integrity and example, right? It's a really solid foundational, I, I truly believe, skill. It is something that you can learn. Um, and I give really long talks about this, but there are actually, you know, six characteristics of someone who's truly influential. And I smell another podcast. <laughs> it's so fun. We could talk about this all day, David, you and me sitting down with coffee. But, um, you know, one of the reasons I will say, I think more people aren't more influential just to start is um, they think it's that they can just do it when they feel like it. They think they're sort of episodic. And those of you, if you've ever had a manager like this, you know, or someone above you, they like show up for five minutes and they like poop all over everything. Right. And then they leave. I call them pigeon manners, managers. They come in, they poop all over everything and they leave. Right. You're like, dude, that is not going to have any influence over me. It's just going to make me hate you. Right. So people think they can just turn it on and off whenever they want. And that is not true about influence. Influence is a very consistent overtime game. When you consistently show up with integrity, you consistently show up and add value when you are an excellent role model, meaning you stand up and say, I'm sorry, I made a mistake. Those are the influential people. It's very different from being manipulative. And I think the other reason more people don't have more influence is because they think that it should just be there. They should just have it. Well, I'm the dad, I'm the mom, I'm the boss. And like, then that just means they should have influence over us and we do it too. And I think if we can sort of work through those two things, you know, one that it, you can turn it on and off when you feel like it, you can be great in front of this group, but a jerk in front of that group, you know, mm -hmm. that doesn't work. And then the other, that it should just be handed to you because of your position or background. Um, if we can work through those two, just to start, I think most people would be a lot further along in the game in understanding that that our consistent actions are actually what generate influence. And that's why it's so important for us to be aware of what our behavior feels like towards other people, much more than what we want to get from them, which, you know, like we said before is manipulation. Did that make sense? Did I answer no, your question? It, it does. No, I, okay. I, I, okay. I love, I love the consistency part of it because I think anybody can lead or influence by fear 
mm-hmm. every, you know, f- for a time, but um, eventually you lose your followers or, or they, they either mentally check out or physically check out. So people need to, they need to respect and they need to say, hey, you know, um, this guy or this gal, they said, you know what, I screwed up and I shouldn't have done that. I did things the wrong way you know, uh, I'm owning it. And I, and I think, you know, the consistent actions that you spoke about are, are huge. Um, mm-hmm. Absolutely. Most of us think about money, you know, it, what, what are some of the different ways that people think about money? Cause I mean, there are people that think money's bad. There are people that think that if you don't have money, you're bad or, or lazy. <sighs> there are people that, that think that, um, you know, if I have a nice car, that's not okay um, because I'm showy and, and stuff is not good. There are other people that think, well, you know, I worked hard, I, I deserve this car. So, so what are some mm-hmm. of the different ways that people think about money and how does that either help or enhance our lives? So there's a loaded couple of questions. There. Holy cannoli. That's I was right. just saying we have another three hours. That's a big one. I think, I mean, I think honestly, in the research I've done and all the work I've done with my clients and in programs is that <laughs> as many humans as there are, is as many different ways to look at money. I mean, really, we all came with such a different environment we were grown up in, our own different behaviors, all those sorts of things. But I think, you know, if you are finding yourself struggling, say with money, or you're having, like, you feel like money's gross, like, and that is a big one. And Mm -hmm. a lot of the work I do with people is they're like, oh, I shouldn't be making money because I'm helping people. And my response is always like, right, like brain surgeons, like, what are you talking about? Right. Of and you have to struggle just because you're doing good work for people. Exactly. I'm like, no, no, this is a perception problem we all have. And I know, David, we were sort of riffing before we hit record about our perceptions of ourselves versus how other people view us. Right. And I think mm-hmm. that's a big piece of it. But one of the questions I love to ask people when they're struggling around money, they feel like, you know, they're not making enough. They know they have some sort of belief, like money is bad. Rich people are evil. If you made a lot of money, it's only because you stole from people or you were a jerk somehow, you know, these kind of ideas is, I love to ask the question, is you being successful, breaking an unspoken family rule? And I love Mm. that. It makes me, most people do what you just did. They're like, Oh, And for a lot of people, you know, men, especially can be, you can't make more money than dad, Mm -hmm. right? Because then you're going to be showing up dad. Wife can't make more money than husband. Oh, big one, big Mm -hmm. one, right? Women aren't supposed to handle the money, right? Another big one. So when you find yourself, anybody listening or either one of us, David happens to me too, right? We're really like, what is going on here? Like I say this to people too, if they have like, I always find if people have debt, there's a certain number of debt they just hang on to. <laughs> it's like, it doesn't matter. It's like, I'm always 20,000 in debt. I'm always 20,000 in debt. I'm all like, whatever that is, watch how quickly these beliefs come up. Once you pay off the debt, your brain will start searching for ways to create the debt again, because chances are you're breaking an unspoken family rule somewhere. And it's so but cool. Now are some of these unspoken family rules, are they positive rules that are, that are good or are they all negative? No, some of them can be, if Mm -hmm. it, it is, um, if you're successful, you'll be lonely. Mm -hmm. If you're successful, your friends will only want you for your money. Mm -hmm. Those can be unspoken rules as well. Mm -hmm. Um, and what you can see, um, I think T Harv Ecker speaks about this really well. I don't know if you've ever read his book. It's the secrets of the millionaire mind. Okay. Yep. I actually did a course that he taught. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, me too. Mm -hmm. I love his stuff. So great. But he talks a lot about how really wealthy parents talk to their children. 
right? It's a very different conversation. And I love the way he breaks that down. And that too can be passed on, right? That's why we see generational wealth. Oh, look, I said it right that time. So if we look at all of the things that get passed on to us, for most people, the limit gets reached, right? Like you hit this ceiling of like, income, or like I said, debt, or something is just stuck. That is the question to ask. And so most of the things you'll find will be some sort of limit, David, because you are stuck. And that's even why you're asking the question in the first place. Right, Does that make right. sense? Yeah. Well, you know, what's yeah. interesting is, you know, my personal income has kind of grown slightly over the last few years, but not, not really, really blossomed. So there's something there I probably need to maybe work through and, 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 and get past like, like we all do. Right. So, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and another question behind it too, is, um, for a lot of us, there's a concern that we'll be abandoned if we're really successful. That seems mm -hmm. to be, I, I'm not saying everybody, but throughout my hundred of years of work doing this, like, <laughs> it's like, I look over at, at, like the, the, the big trends and that's one of them, right. Is like, people are not going to like me for me or people are going to leave me. If I'm truly successful, they're not going to want to hang out with me. They're going to think I'm annoying, right? Those kinds of things. And that's another really great place to look. If you have, like you said, you've hit sort of a limit there is to check in on those because chances are there's something working against you that you're just not aware of. Um, and as soon as you start to be aware of it, it's incredible. All of a sudden the next client calls or the next opportunity, or you see something about, you know, um, the way a certain product is structured, you're like, oh my gosh, I got to start investing people in this part of it. Right. Like that starts to open up the second that we get to some of those niggly childhood things that were planted there either by observation and sometimes though more rarely through direct language. So do you feel like we learn either to be like our parents? And in some cases, we also learned, I love my parents, but there's some parts of them that I don't want to mirror. So I'm going to kind of go the opposite direction and, and, and be 180, 180 degrees different. Yeah. Yeah. And both don't work. Yes. Both, both are usually true <laughs> and both don't work. So I'll give you an example. For example, so we were talking about generational wealth, right? This idea that the dinner table conversation is different, right? If it's about, oh, I just bought this new property. We think the tenants are going to pay X, Y, Z. That's a very different conversation from, did you pay the electric bill? I told you, right? right? Those children are going to grow up in a very different perspectives of money. We, oh my gosh, that makes sense, right? We can, we can look at that and we can see that. But as an example, unless we as adult human beings actually do what we need to do to round out our relationships with our parents, and it's really important that we do that, especially around money, and we always do it with as much honor and forgiveness and as acknowledgement that everybody's always doing their best. Rarely do parents wake up and say, how can I screw up my kids today, right? All of us wake up, we do our very best, and we want to sort of address these relationships with that as the backdrop. Mm -hmm. But I'll give you an example, rebelling against our parents rarely works. It just makes us worse. Mm -hmm. um, and here's an example. And this is something I was actually just working with a one-on-one -on -one client last week. I love this woman. So she's just extraordinary. And she was talking about how she was raised with so much money and she just drove her nuts and they were like so obnoxious. And this person had somebody hired for Christmas day. And what the hell are they thinking? Right. All this stuff. And I look at her, we're talking, I said, you hired me to talk about your relationship to money. Right. She goes, yeah, I never have any. I go, right. I was like, cause you've painted it as anybody with money is obnoxious and annoying and terrible. So you made yourself as extremely opposite from that as you could be to go, I'm broke. And I might right. be in debt, but I'm not like you guys. That's and right. that's sort of a reaction, like constructing our lives that way. That's so, 
it's such a detriment to us. It's so disrespectful to our own power and our own ability to choose which beliefs we're going to hold on to and which ones we're going to let go of. And people think that might sound woo woo or like, oh, that's nice. No, your beliefs around money will directly dictate the actions you take. You cannot get away from that because what you believe dictates what you think and what you think dictates your actions and what actions you take dictates the results that you have. There is a direct line between what you believe and what you have. And unless you do the work to understand that, you will be in constant reaction mode going, I don't know why I'm always broke. Right, <laughs> it's right. like, oh, well, let's look at that. Yeah. Well, and the beautiful thing is we live in America and you can be financially successful by being a brain surgeon. You can mm. be financially successful by making TikTok videos. You can be financially successful by just buying a lawnmower and building up a grass cutting business and everything in between. So it's not necessarily that you need PhD level skills and and i don't even want to call it intelligence but but there are lots of ways in america you could just grind your way and work really hard and become financially successful and and or you can live in that victim mentality and and just not do those small things that will lead to whatever financial success is for you and 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 the definition for you is different than my definition and everybody's depth has a different definition i believe um anyway so what about like selling are uh, I feel like most most businesses, even most team member type roles have some form of selling involved. Mm. And why don't we want to kind of quote, seem like I'm selling something like <laughs> you're selling your services or else, you know, you get paid and, and that's great. There's nothing wrong with that. But um, a lot of people say, well, I don't want to seem like I'm, I'm selling my services. Why is that? Oh my gosh. I love the salesy question okay. um, because I mean, I think a lot of the reason is because it's been done really badly. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it's been done. I don't think there's a human being alive who hasn't felt snowed by um, a really awful salesperson. Like we've all had that experience. Like what the frick? Why do I have this pen that glows in the dark? I don't know. The guy said we've all had those moments. And for some people, it's been really financially devastating. Mm -hmm. right? And for other people, it is the, the pen that glows in the dark that like next month you're fine and you don't buy silly things. Right. Um, and I do think that's a lot of the fear is it's been painted with a very broad brush that like, if you sell something, you're a jerk, you must be sleazy. Somehow you must be trying to scam people. And I personally am definitely out to undo that. I, I just think that is the most ridiculous thing ever. And I think one of the ways that we can really learn to appreciate sales is understanding that every time we sell, all we're doing is saying, oh my gosh, you have a problem. I have a solution. Mm -hmm. that's it. That's a great thing to do for, like, could you imagine a doctor walking by somebody who's like bleeding out and going, Oh, I don't want to be salesy. Right. It's like, right. no, Oh right. my God, the guy's going to die. Get over there and help him out. And what people don't understand is while we may not be bleeding out, there's a lot of pain. There's a lot of things yeah. that, that maybe we could really help people with. And it's okay to go, Oh my gosh, I'm running over to help you right now. Absolutely. What do you need? How can I support what's going on? Um, and then honoring, I think on the other end, our experience, our expertise and our talents that we bring to that solution and honoring that by making sure we can pay for our mortgage and that we can get our kids through, through college and sometimes high school, those are getting more expensive all the time, right? Mm -hmm. There's this massive exchange going on in the world 
And I personally believe money is infinite and any, I know people go, what? But it's like, just take a second and look around your house and look at every single thing that is in your home is something you purchased. And before you purchased it, someone created it. Mm -hmm. And as long as we can come up with ideas, that transaction is infinite forever, right? Even down to glow in the dark pens, like forever, there's going to be something you can always generate more income that way, if that's, if that's what works for you. But when it comes to selling and understanding and appreciating what that solution is, Mm -hmm. and one of the things I love to talk about here, you guys, those of you who are really scared to sell, I want you to think of one, what you complain about when it comes to wealthy people, because whatever judgments you have on wealthy people, you will then turn towards yourself and attack yourself with if you make money. So you really want to know what those judgments are, because when you go to sell, if what you're selling will help you create an extraordinary income for yourself, you also know on the other side of that are all the judgments and complaints you've put out in the world you're going to have to deal with about yourself. And that will come back right on you. So it's a really great place to look at if you're feeling like, oh, I'm being salesy or oh, where are you judging other people for making a great living? Mm -hmm. And my favorite example of this is first class. (laughs) In first class in the airplane, everyone's like, I always want to be in the front of the plane. This is like something people love to say. Oh, but those jerks flying first class, who the hell do they think they are? Just listen to yourself the next time you walk through first class, if we ever get to fly again, as much as we all like to. So you just walk through first class and just watch your own judgments. Then I want you to think about something. I want you to think about what those tickets provide. I want you to think about the chef that made the food. I want you to think about the seamstress that made the flight attendants uniforms. I want you to think about the engineer that made those seats comfortable. I want you to think about the flight time. The pilot had to get under his belt or her belt to be flying that plane. I want you to be thinking about the hours of service that have gone into that first class ticket. And the next time you walk through first class, perhaps if you want to understand how to sell better and how to start to connect to that infinite, infinite exchange of money that's going on is appreciate the human beings in first class that are contributing to our society at that level and supporting that many people in their level of expertise. And that helps lift up this BS idea that selling is bad. Selling Mm -hmm. provides an extraordinary amount to an extraordinary amount of people when it's done well. And we appreciate the experience, expertise, and talents of our fellow humans. Yeah. But I think there's also the integrity of, of selling what you truly believe is for lack of a better term, good. Like I could see the passion about what you're talking about. Cause in a way you're selling right now, you're selling your knowledge and you're selling, selling um, your expertise. And you're not sitting there staring at the ground saying, yeah, if you just have better belief about money, you'll do okay. You know, right. And yeah. please, you know, you can go to my website, but if you don't want to, it's okay. You know, you're, you're not doing that. You're like jumping out of your chair, literally, which is awesome. Cause I, I mean, it's, it's infectious. So what I've always thought about with selling is have you ever gone to a restaurant or seen a movie and said, Hey, I got to tell you about this restaurant. It was so good and you should try it. And you know, if whatever you're selling, you can't have that same attitude about, you either need to learn more about it or you need to sell something different because you obviously don't, don't, there are things that I couldn't sell because maybe they're, they'd be against my values and my ethics and everything Correct. else. So uh, you Correct. definitely have to believe that what you're doing is truly helping people. And if, but in addition to helping people, it is just fine to make a good living off of selling whatever that is that you're selling. Nothing That's wrong right. with that at all. 
That's Nothing right. Wrong with that at all. So, well, cool. Well, tell me, tell me like, where are you on the internet and how do people find you? And also we've, we've talked generally speaking, but I think uh, most of, of, of whom you work with are, are, are women. And mm -hmm. so tell me a little bit about your practice and, and how people can find you and maybe a couple of the freebie offers that you have out there. Yeah, sure. So I love doing free stuff because I know not everybody can hire a coach and work with them. So you can catch me on YouTube. That's my favorite. I have a weekly show there called Sarah Uncut, where I just tell the truth about whatever the heck's going on. And boy, sometimes I do not look very pretty, but it's a lot of fun to go watch. Um, I also have a podcast, as you mentioned, the Game on Girlfriend podcast. Um, and for those of you that own a business, there's a lot of oh, I just need to make six figures. Oh, I just need to make half a million. Oh, I just need to hit a million getting thrown around out there. Um, and so to sort of help people have a target to aim towards, I've created something called my freedom calculator. And you guys can grab that over at my website. It's sarahwalton.com slash freedom. I tried to make it easy guys. And um, what you can do there is it's going to calculate for you based on your lifestyle, how much your business needs to be generating in order for you to feel free. And that's why I call it the freedom calculator. And I also give you ideas on how to actually reach that, right? So if you're afraid of sales or you're afraid of marketing or those sorts of things, that's in there as well. Sure. You know, Mike Michalowicz of um, Profit First, he talks about entrepreneurial poverty. Yes. And a lot of people, you know, they're just yeah, you don't quote, have a boss. You only have a thousand bosses, each one of your clients and customers, and, and you never quite get ahead. And a lot of times it's just those little things that you need to be doing differently or, or thinking, thinking about uh, differently. What about your, are, are you active on, on social media, Instagram and, and everything else? I am. I do believe that our phones are weapons of mass distraction. That's what I call them. I say that with love, by the way, but yes, you can catch me over at Instagram. It's the sarahwalton.com, not because I think I'm special, but because my name was already taken. So it's the sarahwalton.com. And I share a lot of the videos over there and a lot of what I hope are very helpful posts. I don't like to send people there just to waste time. So if you're looking for a little bit of inspiration or motivation, you can definitely follow me. Perfect. Now I, I have some people that I follow and sometimes, you know, a 30 second video just gets your, your day started, right. Just um, putting our minds in the right direction as well. So, well, pretty cool. So there's one question that I didn't tell you I was going to ask you, but I ask every, um, I ask every guest and uh, I, I'm actually interested, uh, extra interested in your answer, uh, given your background. So Sarah Walton, what is your definition of true, of true wealth? What's your definition of true wealth? It's really interesting. It's one word and it's peace. Wow. That's it. Yeah. Perfect. And you've continued the streak of nobody ever giving me a dollar amount. I've, I'm, I'm waiting one day for someone to say a million dollars or $10 million or $5 or nobody ever. It's, it's not the money. It's that the money can help you to have peace, be a part of the peace. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah. Awesome. Wonderful. Awesome. Perfect. David, this has been great. Thank you so much. It has. Absolutely. So everybody make sure to check out www.sarahwalton.com and even add the, uh, the slash freedom there to take the freedom calculator. And, um, you know, if, if, if connecting with Sarah just seems like something that would make sense to you, you can email Sarah at sarahwalton.com and, um, and yeah, just check out the content. And, and I really believe that a lot of all of our success and unfortunately failures really starts and ends with what's between our ears. That's true for me. That's true for Sarah. And that's probably true for all of our listeners out there. So until next episode, we wish everybody a blessed week and please remember to check out our new and improved website, www.weeklywealthpodcast.com. Thanks, Sarah. Thank you, David. 
The information contained herein, including but not limited to research, market valuations, calculations, estimates, and other material obtained from Parallel Financial and other sources are believed to be reliable. However, Parallel Financial does not warrant its accuracy or completedness. The materials are provided for informational purposes only. It should not be used or construed as an offer to sell or a solicitation of an offer to buy any security. Past performance is not indicative of future results.